Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of the Sabbath law, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining the law itself. I read from the law of Moses, and I explained what the law is, what the demands are, and I also explained what the blessings would be in the event that you succeed in obeying not only the Sabbath law, but also all of the other commandments. Now, one of the reasons why people will sometimes pursue the Sabbath law, among other laws, is because they may have been a Christian for a while, and they discovered that there just seems to be something missing. Now, I want you to know that I I personally cannot relate to this in the same way, because my life in rabbinical Judaism, before I got saved, was a life already devoted to the Mosaic Law in the best way that I could at that time in my life, and so I can't relate to people in the same way as others can, but from what I understand, in the emptiness that people experience in Christianity, there is an emptiness, and I know why that is, for the most part, is because people have a poor understanding of what the gospel is, but in their emptiness, they normally derive some enthusiasm from somewhere, and they decide to just simply be more aggressive about their faith and be more committed to putting sin out of their lives and trying to find new ways to control their flesh and get their flesh under control. Normally, people pursue the law after they have spent time in church living under what they think is the grace of God, and so people become more enthusiastic about pursuing the law, knowing that there must be something more to the Christian life than what they have, which in general is virtually nothing. Now, what people discover after a period of time, and this generally ranges, in my experience, somewhere between three and nine years in general, and I'm just speaking in generalities, approximations in terms of what I have personally encountered, that it usually takes people a few years before they start to realize that their aggression in trying to live in obedience to the commandments doesn't lead to anything more either. But this is normally what motivates people, is that they know that there must be more to the Christian life than what they have now. And so there is an assumption that God is not revealing to them the more until they reduce the sin in their lives. And so they go into the law to try to identify what those sins might be. And the Sabbath law is normally one of those that people pick out. Another one is the dietary laws. And I have done two programs On the subject of the dietary laws, I would definitely like to encourage you to listen to those programs also. There are some very important reasons for those laws that I explain in those programs, and I show you in the scriptures the implications of what Jesus has done for us and how God used those laws. That's the subject of the dietary laws. But with regards to the Sabbath, people take the position 
that not obeying the Sabbath is sin, and that might be why God is not revealing himself to them. In the way that they know that he should, according to what they understand about the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the new covenant, that this is supposed to provide us with an opportunity to have a relationship with our God, and we don't have it. People don't have it. And so they pursue the law, thinking that they might be able to find this relationship, and yet they still don't find the relationship there. And so how do people stay with it? Well, they normally then start making comparisons with all the other Christians who are more sinful than they are, and then they have this relationship with God that's based on their pride more than knowing the Lord. You know, the law says very clearly what you will obtain, the maximum benefit that you will obtain if you obey all of the commandments. And if you study the law very carefully, if you know the law, then you should recognize what I mean when I say that there is no law, there is nothing in the law. The Lord said nothing ever about you will know who he is if you are obedient to his commandments. He never said that you would have a personal, interactive relationship with him if you succeeded in obeying his commandments. He never promised these things. People assume that he promised these things. And so when they start this new adventure of living according to the commandments, thinking that they are going to get more, it turns out that they don't. They were living in what felt like the shadows before, and now they still live in the shadows, not in the reality, because the reality of Christ Jesus is that we can know our God. We can have a personal, interactive relationship with Him. We can be a part of the work that He is truly doing, the life-giving work of resurrecting people from the dead and being a participant in the creative work of God during this time in history, but you will not be available for such things when you are still fully preoccupied with trying to live a life that you cannot and that you never will. So let me tie off a few loose ends. How do we know that we have the right day? I mean, how do we know that the Saturday that we refer to these days is the real day. It's the seventh day. How do we know that we still have the right day? Well, I personally have great confidence that we have the right day. First of all, I can refer to Jesus. I can refer to him and say that I suspect that he knew what the right day was. I mean, of all the things that he said and did, you would think that he would have fixed that if there was some confusion concerning the right day. Now, considering that, There were many years between the time when God brought the manna from heaven in order to show the Israelites what day the Sabbath day was on. He used the manna from heaven. He did not provide the manna on the Sabbath, and so they knew that that was the Sabbath day. From that day until the Lord Jesus was many years, and the Israelites did just fine in keeping track of the Sabbath day between the Exodus and the arrival of the Messiah. And so I personally think that they could succeed in continuing to maintain the knowledge of what day is truly the Sabbath day 
from Jesus until now. And so I personally feel very confident that we do know the correct day. And so I wouldn't worry too much about that. What else do people often worry about or concern themselves with with regards to the Sabbath day? What about Sunday? Is Sunday the Sabbath day or is it not the Sabbath day? I've been referring to Saturday. What about Sunday? Because there are many churches who teach that Sunday is the Sabbath. And if you question them about it, they might say something like, well, sure, according to the law, the Sabbath is on Saturday, but we now see the Sabbath on Sundays because the early church met on the first day of the week, for example, that that would be the new Sabbath because the model of the church shows us that because they met on Sundays on the first day of the week, that we should also meet on the first day of the week as the Jews used to meet in their synagogues. And so that's one of the ways that people defend their position that Sunday is the new Sabbath. But I want you to consider something, and that is that for people to get together, they have to leave their dwelling place. They have to leave their dwelling place in order to assemble with others. And depending on how devoted you wanted to be to the Sabbath law, you might consider not leaving your dwelling place on the Sabbath day to be more devoted to the Sabbath day. And that's what I believe. I believe that the reason why the disciples met on the first day of the week was so that they could observe the Sabbath day. Now, perhaps there were people who lived close enough, within close enough proximity, that they could justify assembling together because they weren't going too far away from their dwelling place. I can understand that. But there were others who had to walk great distance and might come a little bit later than other people would because they're closer. We have examples of that in the letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, for example. And so I personally believe that the evidence shows that the reason why they assembled on the first day of the week was because they wanted to observe the Sabbath day on Saturday without any concern about leaving their dwelling place. That's just what I believe. Now, of course, I know the book of Acts. I've done a verse-by-verse study on the book of Acts. You can listen to those programs on the radio archive that I have produced. Those are very good programs. I would like to encourage you to listen to those programs. I have a lot to say about that subject, but I believe that that is one legitimate reason, in addition to the fact that this was to commemorate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, which took place on the first day of the week on Sunday. And so I can appreciate those things. But when people say that Sunday is the Sabbath, I personally have a problem with that. I have a problem with that because there are many people who take the position that God will actually judge them as if they have committed sin if they do not rest on Sunday. And that, to me, is out of bounds. I personally believe that that's when it becomes a lie. I personally believe that that's when it becomes a deception. I don't think people are being very honest when it comes to that, that Sunday is not the Sabbath in the context of you receiving condemnation from God because you do some work or you buy or sell or you light a fire in your home or in your car, in your engine, so that you can drive to church, stuff like that. I personally believe that when people start passing judgment against others and proclaiming that it is a violation of the Sabbath law of the commandment of God, I personally believe that the only way a person can suggest something like that is if they don't know the law of God. Because I believe 
that the law is very clear on what the Sabbath is, what day it is, what it's about, what it's for. And to suggest some kind of interpolation to the extent where you can say such things, I believe that if a person suggests that Sunday is the Sabbath, to me I'm listening to someone who does not know the law of Moses to the extent that they probably claim that they do and that this is something that they should spend a little bit more time with, that they should study the law more carefully. I really do believe that. So, what do you get from living in obedience to the Sabbath law? You get exactly what he said. You get blessed in the flesh. You won't know your God. You don't even have to believe that there is a God. You can just do that, and he will bless your flesh, not just because of the rest, but also because you will work six days a week, not just rest on one. There's more opportunity to be blessed by God through intervention when people are actively working than when they are doing nothing. So what do you get? He told you exactly what you will get. Do not assume that he will give you anything other than what he has said. Do you obey the law? Well, of course not. You might be able to do it better than somebody else does, but that still is not going to be as perfect as God. Now, if by chance you do succeed, you also have to obey all of the commandments. And so you can consider that to be a good start. But until you get them all right, you will live under the curse of God. That's what he said in the law. So why do you try? Why do you even bother? You know, after I bring all these things up to people who want to talk about this subject, once I bring all of these things up, people will normally concede after a period of time. They will concede and they will say, yes, you're right. I am not perfect as God. I still sin. I am under the curse. So I do it so that I can be pleasing to God. Or I do it in order to show my appreciation for what God has done for me. Or I do it in order to get a day off. You know, people will come up with all kinds of other excuses in order to try to hang on to this. But I think it's important to at least talk about these things, right? Pleasing to God. You do it in order to be pleasing to God. Well, do you do it? Of course not. Not to the extent that the law truly requires. And if you are deceived into thinking that you have succeeded again, we shouldn't have to talk very long before we discover some other law that you violate. In which case, are you pleasing to God? No, he is disgusted with you. So we can't look at that as being a positive reason as to why we should try to live that way. How about to show your appreciation? Well, again, you fail. You fail to obey all of the law of Moses. And so the more you try, the more you will show that you are not appreciative. You know, the law stirs up sin. Paul explained that clearly. He used the example of coveting in the book of Romans. I did a verse-by-verse study on the book of Romans. Listen to those programs with regards to those passages when he spoke about coveting and other things related to this. The law stirs up sin. It shows you that you have a need for forgiveness. So turn to God for his forgiveness. His mercy. And once you have reached that point, then put the law aside. That's one of the purposes for the law, to drive you to the Messiah. To show you that you do have a need for mercy because you cannot obey. But when a person finally deceives themselves into thinking that they have found a way to obey, 
then they no longer have a need for mercy. Instead, people start looking at mercy and forgiveness in a different way. They say, well, mercy and forgiveness is for when I fall short. But folks, it's not that way. It's for everything. It's not for just when you fall short. It's for everything. Your entire existence depends on forgiveness and mercy. You see, when a person teaches someone else, if you if you are a person who lives under the Old Covenant and you teach others or you tell others that they should live in obedience like you do, or maybe even better, if you do that, then you also have to teach that they cannot succeed. You probably know this. So what do you do? You tell them that we are to try. We are to be as devoted as we can be. But listen to me very carefully when I say this. This is the truth. That is that you are teaching people that it is acceptable to fail. It is acceptable to fail. It is acceptable to sin as long as you did the best you could and then that which you couldn't do, well, that's okay. We can get forgiveness for that. That is teaching people how to violate the commandments. I teach the law. Those who claim that we are to live by the law do not teach the law. They teach people how not to obey the law by saying that it is acceptable to try your best. Folks, it is not acceptable to try your best. You either do it or you don't. You are either as perfect as God himself or you are not. There is no try when it comes to these things. There is no I did my best when it comes to these things. If you suggest that we are to try knowing that we will fail, then you justify the failure. You teach people how to violate the law instead of teaching people the law. I teach the law. I will teach the law. I have no problem with the law. The law is perfect. The law is holy. You want the law? I'll give it to you. But if you want to pretend, if you want to live in some fantasy, if you want to live in this deception that it's acceptable to sin, if you want to live that way, then be honest about it. Be honest and say that you don't teach the law. It is not acceptable to sin. If a person fails to obey the Sabbath law, it is sin. Just as if someone committed murder. It is sin. There is no question about that. Is it sin if a person does not rest on the Sabbath day? Absolutely it is sin. Now folks, I am dead to the law in Christ Jesus. I have been forgiven by God. The Lord has set me free from the law through his forgiveness. It no longer has a place in my life anymore. So I don't live that way. I don't live by the flesh. I don't live by whether I sin or I don't sin. I don't live by either the indulgence of the flesh or the restraint of the flesh. The new covenant is a new way of life that has nothing to do with the law. It has nothing to do with the indulgence of the restraint of the flesh. It has to do with something else. Now, the Lord does not teach me to sin. He doesn't teach me to sin. He doesn't teach me to murder or to steal. And he doesn't teach me to violate the Sabbath law. What he has shown me, though, is the reality that was foreshadowed by the Sabbath law. 
He has shown me the reality that was foreshadowed by the law concerning murder. What was that? That I am to love others in the depths of my being, and that if I love them, I won't kill them. I won't steal from them. I am to rest from my works, my works of righteousness. That is a reality that has been revealed by the Sabbath law. So I don't believe that he teaches me to sin or he leads me to sin or that he says it is acceptable to sin. But I don't live my life by the law either. You might wonder, how can this be? If you are wondering, how can this be? Then I know exactly what you're saying. If that's what you ask, how can this be? How can a person live a completely different way of life and say such things? The reason why this can be is because I have grown to experience my God as a person. I have grown to understand the reality of my God and I could not have known who he is in this way. I could not have had a relationship with him in this way when I was trying to live in obedience to all of the commandments. It wasn't possible for many reasons. And I can't get into the details concerning those things in these programs because the subject is too big. I've referred to other programs in the first program in this series. Listen to that program again. Listen to those programs. I've talked about this in other places. And if you will take the time to study and recognize and believe the things that I have related in other places, then you will grow to understand what I mean by that. In this program, all I can say is that if you believe that there is something more to the Christian life than what you have experienced before, you're probably right. But what you're doing isn't going to lead you in that direction. There is another way. But trying to live a life that you cannot is not it. Now, with regards to it being a good thing to take a day off, you know, I can appreciate that too. This is another reason why people will try to obey the Sabbath law in their flesh. It's because it's good to take a day off. You know, I can really appreciate that. But if that's the case, why not do it on Tuesday? Why not do it on Thursday? Why not do it on Sunday? I mean, what difference does it make what day it is at that point? And so I wouldn't use that as a defense when it comes to this subject. I wouldn't say that it's just simply a good thing to take a day off because you can do that at any time. At that point, I believe a person is really reaching for something, anything to hang on to, and they're just about out of ideas by the time they say something like that. So to answer the question, is it a sin not to obey the Sabbath law? Absolutely, yes. According to the law, that is definitely a sin. Because people will not fully obey all of the commandments, there is no one who will avoid sin. Because of that, there is no hope outside of the forgiveness and mercy of God. The forgiveness and mercy of God does not give us an excuse to continue to live in sin, but the Holy Spirit will guide us concerning these things, not by the commandments such as do not steal, but instead by the commandment of love your neighbor and you will discover that you are not stealing. To love your God, and you will turn to him for who he is. You will rest in what he has done for you, instead of trying to rest on the basis of what you do for him. I'm speaking of a different way of life when I speak about this in the context of sin. 
I no longer live on the basis of sin and death. I now live on the basis of forgiveness and the restoration of life. And so it's really easy to ask the question, then why is it that you don't go back to sin? It's very easy to ask that kind of a question when you see that you are set free in such a way that, sure, you can go back to sin. Instead of asking that, though, you should be asking the question, what do you now go to? What can you now go to? What is the new life that you can now enter into because you have been set free from the law of sin and death? That's the appropriate question to ask. Now, in these programs, I'm focusing on the subject of the Sabbath law. And in the following programs, I'll talk about the reality that we go into, that we can now go into, that we can enter into, that we could not have entered into before when we were living a life in the shadows and not in the reality. But this is true for other laws. For example, I did some programs on the subject of overcoming sin. The programs are titled Overcoming Sin, where I talk about this subject from the point of view of other laws. I spent some time talking about the subject of adultery, for example, in one of those programs in the series on overcoming sin. And so I have a lot to say about the subject of overcoming sin and living a new way of life that does not lead you to sin, but it does lead you into a new way of existence. So don't be preoccupied by, well, then, if you are not resting on the Sabbath day, then you are living in sin. Don't be preoccupied with that. Understand that there is a reality that was foreshadowed by that, just as there is a reality that was foreshadowed by all of the other laws as well. That is a way of viewing this subject. And so if you really are interested in this issue, I have done a number of other programs that are related to this. But in the next program, I will begin to introduce the reality of the Sabbath law that we now live in so that we can say with great confidence that we do live in complete obedience to the Sabbath law. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net that you may